There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How are you now? It's the Theory of Thing Investment Podcast. I am James Whelan. No more mucking around. Every uh, the advice that you see is general and Heath. I'm joined by Heath. Uh, I'm joined by Heath Moss from HLM Investments. As usual, I completely hash, made a hash of the intro. Mate, uh, One thank you for joining us on the podcast. How are you going, Heath? How are you now? Very well, thanks, mate. Very well. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm very glad to have a, another adopted Adelaidean in here today. So uh, we only get quality, quality from us today. We are joined by Stonex. Mate, uh, Stonex Chief Talking Head. Uh, what's your official title there? David Scarf. Uh, in Australia, I'm chief. I'm oh, not chief. I'm doing disservice to, uh, to Matt Simpson. I'm a market analyst at uh, City Index. Uh, is my title here in Australia, but I have multitude of titles around the world, including some with Stonex. Uh, okay, good on you, mate. Well, I look, and it was an amazing job and an amazing get, and I'm glad that you got it um, because they're a really mm. good operation and and fantastic. Uh, we are sponsored by the Australian Mutual Funds Exchange. Um, they're providing access to any mutual fund anywhere around the world. Uh, go and check them out today. Thank you very much for their help and sponsorship that keeps the show going. Uh, moving on. Now, uh, Heath, mate, it's it's mm. been a week. Um, gee, I, when I was sort of a little bit sort of hesitantly, cautiously saying that maybe we should be adding to our fuel position, um, mm. which is uh, the, the the energy energy providers, uh, I didn't – obviously, you weren't expecting what happened on the weekend to happen on the weekend. No. Colossal tragedy. No. Um, but has definitely definitely did turn around the energy energy story last night. Maybe not so much. Uh, either of either of you guys want to have a go at it? Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I've never been a huge actually. Let, let's have a bit of a discussion about this first on here as well. I love this hat. Let's have a discussion about this as well about making money or, or profiting from a tragedy like this, and sort of how you reconcile as a human being and how you reconcile as an advisor as well. And then we can sort of talk a little bit more about. Uh, about potentially mm. where where some of the, the the investment themes lie behind this. How do you how do you do it? I had a discussion with SPS about it, and I said it's it's difficult for me to go to clients and say, "Hey, this tragedy has happened, so here's how we're going to be making you money." It was sort of the same way when Ukraine happened, and it was like the easiest thing to do was just buy the weapons manufacturers, and and that, that was sort of if you don't ethically ethically, it's a difficult thing to do. How do you reconcile those sorts of things as an advisor, Heath? It's a tough one. I've never been one for the short-term trade, though. So in, I've never seen it as, as as you know, profiting off of tragic events like this. Um, yeah. They do create opportunity. And I've, actually, I've never been one. I've never bought a weapons stock or anything like that. So um, I can, you know, I can wipe my hands there. But in terms of, I suppose the main thing is, is energy and oil and that. Um, but I think in today's world, it's just been... There's always a conflict. Sadly, there's always a conflict somewhere, um, and generally it affects energy um, in some shape or form, especially over in the Middle East. So um, it does present an opportunity. But I mean, as we've seen the last couple of days, so I mean, we had that initial spike with oil, etc. But it's come right back. Um, so maybe 
it's not going to present uh, the, uh, the the sort of investment opportunity we thought it was. But um, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I don't know. It's really hard. It's a really tough situation. Um, it is what it is, and we sort of detach ourselves from it here in Australia because yeah. we're so far away from most of these conflicts, and and they, they really don't impact us apart from these commodity prices. We sort of, well, I suppose, we detach ourselves, and and that is part of the ethical and moral stance we have. And I'll never buy a weapon stock. I don't think I'd ever bring myself to doing that. Um, but you know, I'm comfortable using oil or uh, jumping into these oil and energy plays when opportunity presents because we're never going to be able to avoid these conflicts. There's always going to be something happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, David, how do you? It's difficult to talk about. Um, I, I just sort of what's what's how do you how do you I, I, the word is reconcile. How do you reconcile these things of of doing your job, but also the fact that you need to have a heart in there. But then you also go there is actually now a, 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 the situation has changed, and if you do believe that long term the situation has definitely changed, that the, the the cargo ship is turning around in the harbour, definitely with regards to the the relationship between the Saudis and Israel. That's that's now sort of changed. Any bridges that were being built there are, are, are now sort of that's going to be postponed. It's changed the situation for energy supply. In the Middle East, if you think anyway, I'll let you talk. Go, sorry, David. David Scott, everyone. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and it's uh, it's difficult to go and obviously disconnect. But that's ideally what our jobs are. We're designed to go and be giving investment advice as to go and how to uh, make money. Uh, obviously, the other uh, human toll is uh, is something that's dramatic. But I'm not paid to go and give uh, solutions or advice or, or comfort in relation to that. I'm there to go and then provide information as to how to go and and make money. And when you get a market event that comes up, as Heath pointed out. Uh, it does present opportunities. Uh, unfortunately, that's as simple as that, but that's what our jobs are uh, as investment professionals. Uh, we go and give advice yeah. when it comes to financial markets. We'll leave other things to up to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, now, what's, uh, what do you see happening over uh, in that part of the world? Well, it's uh, really interesting. Uh, as Heath pointed out, the, uh, the price action has, uh, has really been quite bearish when it comes to crude. After you saw that initial spike, uh, the inability to go and hold, Look, I put a tweet up earlier on today just talking about you know, the markets. They expect things to go and play out almost in, in real time and reprice all the risks and then go and see it actually happen in, in real life. And I just wonder whether there's been a lot of thought process put into it. I know there was a story up in the New York Times talking about uh, Iran potentially didn't have a lot of knowledge and was surprised by what Hamas went and did last weekend. Uh, a lot of speculation uh, in that particular area. And we know that uh, these things can unravel pretty quickly. The risk premium, I think, is worth more than what's in there. The broader story, though, for crude is uh, now what to tell us about what's going on in the, uh, the world economy and the outlook from here because we've got the two major suppliers in the world uh, basically cutting off supply at this point in time. Uh, demand looks pretty strong, but the price can't respond, so the signal's pretty strong for me. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. I, it, I, I, I did an SBS thing on Monday afternoon doing that world news, whatever they whatever they said, and I, and I, was, I was just like, you know what, oil, oil, or sorry, for me, at that level, oil already looked like it should have been added to, and it was oversold, and it was probably going to be going up this yeah. week anyway. What happened mm-hmm. really just sort of accelerated that situation as well in the same way that, I mean, anyway, we'll cross over to markets. Um, Heath, you do a pretty good market wrap, mate. Do you want to um, go over to that? Sort of yeah, no worries. Do you want to bring try, the- try to keep Trying to keep my head out of out of looking at the headlines, that's all. Do you want to very bring, the chart up, bring the charts up, mate? You've got the buttons yeah, okay. there. Oh, why don't you have the buttons? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, you you're going to give me the authority, mate. Uh, look, I mean, yeah, it's no. it's been a good 
good good week for uh, especially SP five hundred. Um, we're up one about one and a half percent for the the week. Uh, four days in a row we're up. With respect to that trend line and the two hundred day moving average, really nicely there. Um, look, I mean, the next step is maybe heading towards that 4,440 uh, 4, mark where that red trend line is. Um, if we can, uh, if we can't break that, then we're heading back straight back down where we came. Um, if we can, then yeah, we go higher. But um, it's been a it's been a positive week, which is you know in stark contrast to the last probably three or four weeks, or well, the last month. September was pretty average. Um, we've yeah. got earnings in the US uh, kicking up uh, this week. We've already had Pepsi and the LVMH reports. Uh, we've got the big guys on uh, Friday: BlackRock, City, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, etc. Um, so the banks always kick it off. So it'll be interesting to see how you know their interest margins, how their books are looking, um, whether the latest sp- spike in um, uh, yields really hurt them or not. Um, delinquencies, we'll look at them, whether, you know, uh, any of the, the mortgage stuff is starting to rear its ugly head, um, and uh, especially with cars and credit credit um, credit cards as well. We, we already know the delinquencies there are, are spiking pretty pretty high. So it's yeah. been it's uh, it's it's been a good week though. It's it's been a good week. Um, trading about seventeen and a half times forward earnings here. Um, that's about it for the SBX. I mean, yeah, that's. David, uh, I'll bring up. What are you, um, uh, I'm, I'm yep. going to jump over to Japan in a second, but David, if you want to talk yep. about what your take is on the US markets, uh, just jump in. We have got CPI tonight, <laughs> the the most important CPI number ever. <laughs> that's it's the most important ever. one ever every single month isn't it of course uh that's right look, does that's anyone right. really go and see anything other than disinflationary forces when it comes to u.s inflation no looking across mm. the board there's nothing that's jumping out at me at the moment suggesting that there's going to be an inflation breakout anytime soon uh i know yeah. there's a lot of inflationists out there who get excited about you know a strike here and everything you know little pockets of, of news elsewhere but the story is pretty yeah. for me. And I think the, the broader story, and going back to the SPX, you know, the price action over the past couple of weeks has been really, really bullish. That big bounce of 4,200 uh, really caught my eye. Nice uh, bullish hammer. And we're now seeing that upward trajectory. And it corresponds with what I think is almost like a coordinated shift from Fed speakers over the past week or so. Uh, the tone has mm. really gone and changed when it comes to this high for longer narrative. Now we're talking about you no know, markets doing the work for them. Uh, I think a lot of people are starting to go and suspect that we're seeing that uh, that uh, Fed policy pivot now starting to come into play. It's it yeah. what, a, what a change a week makes, isn't it? Where suddenly it was higher for longer. We're all going to die. Call your mother. Call your grandmother. I called her out too on my note on my weekly note that uh, what's her name the CFA. What's her name? What's her name? Genevieve. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Anyway, yep. so call, call your mother, call your grandmother, because the ten year had gone to four point nine or something like that, and it was just like, hey, just calm, calm the farm. <laughs> um, yeah, is that what have you got? Is that the? That's the ten year. Now. That? Yeah, that's the ten year. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, I, um, I got, a, I got a feeling that last week we, that blow off top that we saw following the jolt support. You know, we know it gets about a thirty percent response rate, and the markets are extrapolating. Yeah. That's going to mean like multiple uh, Fed hikes uh, near term and everything else. And all of a sudden, the rest of the data has come out weak. And probably ironic that you no, know, a pretty flimsy, volatile uh, reading might see the top three yields this cycle. I, I personally think that we may have seen the the, the highest last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah it certainly it's, felt like a blow off top on the yields last week i mean it was just ridiculous how quickly they went up and uh and, and spiked especially on the long end uh the short end really didn't do too much but 
Also, if you listen to, um, I was reading the transcript from Pepsi and LVMH um, over the last couple of days, and they're starting to really see a, a softening consumer in the US. I mean, volumes worldwide for Pepsi were down two and a half percent and six percent, down six percent in North America. Um, their, their earnings only lifted because of an 11 percent price increase um, over there. So we're seeing people still happy to pay those higher prices, but buying less. And even LVMH, which has been really resistant, the luxury goods guys, um, they're seeing Europe go backwards, North America softening, um, China recovering, but nowhere near as fast as they expected, and and growth slowing. I think their growth was around nine percent for the Q3 versus seventeen percent for Q2. So um, you're just steady, starting to see those higher prices and the dwindling of savings really impacting the consumer, especially in the US, but globally as well. Yeah, I'm just putting in, uh, slotting in my side here. That is an article on the FT on US consumers cutting back on uh, card spending. That data that was coming out from, it was the wallet, what is it, wallet, wallet.com or something like that, whatever they were, that, that, that tracks these yeah. things. There is the average the average annual interest rate on card balances is going up way past mm. 20 into 25 sort of sectors up there. And it was just showing that the, the people are cutting back on that spending because it's effectively the rates have done the job that they were intended to do um, and yeah. it has solved its own problem. Yep, yep. Who's next? David, um, anytime actually, I stop I talking, wanna... you just jump in, mate. <laughs> I want to ask a question of David. Um, yeah. what, what do you see as the biggest threat to markets over the next, say, six to 12 months? Uh, we've already seen too much over tightening from central banks and with policy working in a lag that we've really not gone and, and given enough notice to some of those indicators you're just pointing out right there. And we get that big overshoot uh, in policy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And then you've got to go and lead to that massive reduction. It's not evidence of it yet when it comes to some of that lagging data, particularly when it comes to the labor market. But I think to me that is the biggest risk, you know, particularly in the likes of Europe. Uh, you know, have gone very, very hard. Uh, don't have a lot of good growth dynamics, uh, not a lot of competitiveness in a lot of areas. Uh, I wonder what potentially might uh, 2024, the first half, might go and bring when all of this tightening starts to go and bite uh, across the other global economy. Uh, so now, do, you, do you think we'll switch we'll, we'll, sorry. <laughs> do you think we'll see a recession in the US in the first half next year? Potentially. Uh, I'm not uh, yeah. one of those uh, commentators who likes to go and give probabilities, but no, it's, <laughs> it's something where... Uh, we know that uh, it's going to go and crimp a lot later when it comes to the tightening, given the way the mortgage market is structured there in the United States relative to other parts of the world. If there is going to be a recession in the United States, it's likely to be you know, probably one of the last of the developed economies to go into it. 
but uh, certainly it's a risk. Uh, it's a risk across a lot of developed economies, including here in Australia. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. I uh, I was lucky enough at the beginning of the week to go to a quarterly presentation, a market update from BlackRock, and they had coming down from Singapore Ben Ben Powell, I think his name was, um, CIO of APAC Strategy, I suppose. He's basically just just the guy, the guy who's who's calling the shots for them. Um, an amazing knowledge, an amazing thing. Someone very just sort of casually asked him what his take on Japan was, and he gave the most blindingly mouth frothingly bullish case on the Nikkei going into the Bank of Japan meeting at the end of this month. Halloween, he's like, Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. They're either going to talk about abandoning or abandoning yield curve control. There is $7 trillion of U in, in US, not in US, but there's $7 trillion of US equivalent in yen sitting in Mrs. I can never get the name right. What a Watanabe, you, you, you're better with those things, but effectively Japanese savings. The inflation rate will stay stubbornly higher for longer not not high but higher he said it is inevitable that that money will just pour itself so quickly into the japanese market it's and it was just like it's it's the easiest bull case you could possibly have um for the for the nikkei do you want to pull up a chart there he and he also oh. said in yen as well so he yen, said it's, a, it's, it's going to be this rare occurrence so this is why he's sort of talking about this halloween theory of just like two moons of just perfection of being you could be long nikkei and long the yen at the same time and he said it's just it's going to be magical did, did you mention anything about earnings risk there when he did I've, I've interviewed ben as a, as part of a prior role that i used to do obviously and uh did he give any indication as to what the implications would be for earnings because we know that a lot of the earnings tailwinds for the nikkei in particular have come through from the weaker yen uh we get like a yield yeah. curve control and abandonment you're going to see the yen strengthen dramatically. That'll be bullish for offshore investors. So no invested in Nikkei, but uh, yeah. what will it do for earnings? Did you mention anything about that? No, I think I think he did, but I didn't write it down. I was so busy should just be, trying to write down what he actually put together. It, just, it should be really bullish. Sixty percent, I think, sixty percent of constituents on the Nikkei are exporters. So it should be really uh, bullish in terms of when they, they're converting those earnings back to the yen. Um, yeah, he did mention uh, he mentioned day. things like Toyota in there, but yeah. So, I mean, do, do you concur? What do you think, David? Um, you know, we don't usually talk about the Japanese market much on the show. Um, uh, so go, it's been running very the well. To the end of the month, you look at what's been going on with the chart. Like it's one of the most bullish charts in the world. You'll find, I uh, know, given what we've been going through right now, a lot of it is because of that weakening in the yen. So, I just wonder whether if you go and start talking about a dramatic strengthening in the yen, whether the story will go and change there. No. We've seen across uh, multiple jurisdictions when you run very, very loose monetary policy settings for a long period of time, uh, asset prices tend to go and, and ramp up quite dramatically. So that's that's the risk that I'll be looking at there, that you might go and see that currency translation actually start to act as a pretty big headwind at some point. When we're talking about inflation in Japan too, and high inflation, we're only talking 3 to 4%. Um, it's not like... Uh, here when two. we got to the eight to nine percent um, inflation, it, it's it's only three to four percent, and but I mean that's historically high for Japan, but it's not yeah, exactly. you know blow you know blow, blow your away type inflation. Um, it's the, it's uh, you know you know me, and you can have you can have the cases. The flow of funds is always going to be the, the the winning thing for me. If you say that a whole bunch of people are going to be buying this particular stock, even though it's an absolute piece of crap. Yep. You can't get in the way of that. It will always, the flow of funds will always outweigh that. And this is sort of, his case was on the 
you don't really know inflation is there until it's there and you get this sort of feeling he's just like people will be moving this thing out of out of their bank accounts and it has to go into something and it's got to go into a market that's that's rallying it's, it, mm-hmm. it's just like the sentiment is going to is going to be so bullish for that 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 as it's sort of predicted that yes it's going to stay above the two percent or it's, it's it's i didn't say high i said higher mm-hmm. once that sort of sets in that's where that that it's going to plow into the market the flow of funds you won't yeah, be able to get in the way you would imagine it's going to be a pretty aggressive uh, wage negotiations uh, coming through uh, at the start of the fiscal year in, in March next year to go and get that. Uh, we know that they're, they're battling against negative you know, demographic forces and their populations declining and the like. Uh, so it would probably take some of that for me to go and get you know, excited about the prospect for sustainable inflation. I, I personally don't see it right now. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's dance. What do you, what, uh, what's your... I don't know, David. What what, what are you what are you spruiking at the moment? What um what do you see? Where's the where's the best cases? Where's the worst cases? Take us around. The oh, look, look. If you go from a macro perspective, and you do believe that what we're seeing from the Fed is a coordinated effort to go and start signalling that they're going to go and pivot and you know, uh, put a marker in the sand and say the other uh, peak is in for the Fed funds rate, and then let other forces further out the curve take place, you start looking at the uh, the asset classes that are really uh, influenced by movements in the yield curve. So things like gold uh, are pretty interesting at this point in time. Dollar yen is another big one that's been driven a lot by yield differentials recently. So anything that's got a really, really big play on yields, uh, NASDAQ you could probably throw into the other mix as well. Uh, all the kind of markets you want to be paying close attention to when it comes to a trend reversal uh, of sorts. Hey. Yeah, oh, um, look, yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much the same. Yields, yields uh, are still driving most of the market here. And uh, like David said, it's the first. This week's been the first time we've seen a coordinated sort of attack on on yields. Whether the Fed thought they were running away too too much, getting too high too quickly again, which could have caused more problems. We've seen um, thirty year mortgage fixed mortgage rate in the US climb to eight percent. I mean, who the hell is going to be buying a a home over there on a 30-year uh, 8% uh, rate, I mean, unless no, you're forced to. Uh, and that brings its own problems. I mean, if construction, you know, comes to a halt, which it should be at those rates, you know, jobs will be lost and that could snowball into other things. Um, right. But, yeah, I would expect, I mean, we know my base case. I'm expecting the U.S. head into recession um, next year, the first half of next year. Yields to come down. I think we're seeing about 100 basis points factored in again to to yields being stripped last uh, next year. Um, Australia, I feel, um, is in actually in a really good position now. We've seen the consumer here be a lot stronger than expected, even though uh, you know our savings are being dwindled and being not dwindled as fast as the US. Um, and the housing market has remained really, really resilient with that high net immigration. Um, here and I would expect finally, and we've seen heard uh, rumours and rumblings again of more Chinese stimulus, China to really ramp up again next year, um, and that's mm. going to be obviously be good for our resources uh, and tourism and education etc. Here as well. So yeah, um, but in the short term, it's it's still about yields. Uh, as long as the the conflict in Israel doesn't escalate, um, no, which I don't think it will do, I think yields will continue to dominate um, markets globally. Yep. Yep. No, no doubt about that at all. Um, look, last bid, so then we'll uh, get on to the footy tips. We had a, a couple of wins. Uh, David, anything on markets? Then we're going to switch over to the fun stuff, mate. Uh, I think I've covered off everything I wanted to say. I want to hear what your footy tips are. Mm. Now, last week, I tipped the Bears to beat Washington, and everyone called me crazy. I said they need about six and a half points. It turns out they didn't need any points at all. 
They won by about 20-something points. It was incredible. So James is still on a run, hot to trot. Heath almost mm-hmm. also got up. Uh, yep. What did yep. you Philadelphia? Yeah, the Eagles? Uh, yeah, Eagles covering the line, yeah. Yep. Now, what have you got this week, mate? Just, let's back it. Let's really uh, make, make it some proper bank. I've got, I've got, oh, it's another simple one. It's just the Falcons to cover line at two and a half uh, versus the Commanders. Uh, the ones yep. that uh, the Bears flogged last week, I think uh, it's only two and a half, which surprises me. So um, I think the Falcons will get up there. I was going to go 49ers again, considering how hot they are, but we'll do something different this week. Falcons Falcons to cover the line. Yeah, well, you know, I've got to do the Friday, the, the Thursday night game. So the Friday game out time. So that way we make sure that yep. people listen to this podcast nice and early. Um, it is the Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos. You, me, David, and a few mates would probably have a pretty good effort against the Denver Broncos at the current time. Uh, Chiefs will <laughs> easily blow that uh, away. So I think it's 10 and a half that they've got. So take that out. You know, it's it's that the, they'll cover that piece of cake. I think they'll, they'll probably buy about 20 or 25. Um, in that facility. David Scott, so yeah, take the money on that. So that's good. David Scott, what's your footy tip of the week? Or any sporting tip, really, if you want. Uh, look, I don't have a tip so much, but uh, I think uh, tonight's game in the Cricket World Cup between Australia and South Africa is a pretty key one for mm. the Aussies. Uh, we know that South Africa typically crumbles in a lot of these big tournaments uh, in the cricket cricket <laughs> arena, at least. And uh, if the Aussies can't beat the South Africa, I reckon they, they're custard for this World Cup. Uh, not really the conditions they're used to playing in. And, uh, yeah, a pretty big loss to India first game. So a really crucial one tonight. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, eyes on that. I do like one of my all-time favourite pastimes is seeing South Africa stuff up the cricket um, at uh, on the world stage. I mean, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people. The uh, Hello to all of our South African listeners as well. Hope you're doing well. Um, and to the people who hate me, uh, most of them are. Hello to our troll on YouTube as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's Pete. It's, a, it's our mate Pete from Brisbane, mate. He's uh, We've got a hater. We've got a troll. We have a troll. We've had a oh, we've got a troll, and I hope Pete. Yeah, he's, he's he's doing okay. Hello to all of our uh, all of our listeners, and hello to all of our haters as well. Thank you very much. If there's a way that we can make this better, um, please write it on a piece of paper and send it to me yeah. at the show. Care of? Uh, I don't know. I'm not doing that. Um, look, that's about it for the show. Uh, don't forget to vote. Is it to, is it oh, this yes. weekend Sorry. Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Don't forget to vote. I've got a vote. I, I look. I will be voting yes. But the reasons behind it are nonsensical because my beautiful wife has decided she's voting no because she doesn't. She said, I haven't been told enough about it. I haven't been told enough about it. And I was like, well, hang on. If you just go to, and she said, no, no, no. I haven't been told enough about it. I'm like, but if you just go, and she said, no, I haven't been told enough about it. I'm just like, okay. So I'm going to have to vote yes just to offset her no vote. That's that's effectively what I'm doing. So it's, it's, it's it nothing to do with the stance on what's going to happen to the Constitution. I'm just trying to, you know, carbon offset these things. So, so look, make sure you get out um, and vote and just make sure you know what it is that you're voting for or against. Um, and that's all that I ask is that you just do the homework and do the research um, that you've got coming up. I've got one last little note as well. I will be presenting at the Ensemble ALPD, All Licensee PD Day at the end of November. There'll be a link to it um, placed as many places as you can. Hello to Ensemble. They, they get me some doing some amazing work. Um, I'll be presenting at the end of November at their All Licenses PD Day. Um, I'm talking about client trust, ASIC, um, generally sort of, you know, non-market-related things um, in myself as a, as a senior industry person. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll tell a few jokes on the way too. So get along to that if you can uh, as well. David, anything to conclude with? Otherwise, I'm going to wrap it up. 
Be good to your mother, and importantly, be good to your wife if you're married. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good idea. Thanks, Heath, for joining us. Thanks, David, for joining us. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys. Have Thank a good you. one. 